cyber friends. This is Chatting Cyber, and I'm your host, Mark Shine. This podcast focuses on how companies can help qualify and quantify the cost of a data breach. Chatting Cyber features some of the most well-respected privacy and cyber experts in the world. Join the conversation with business leaders, government agencies, and cyber experts to learn more about how and why they got into this ever-changing field that we call cyber risk. Hello, cyber colleagues. I'm Mark Schein, National Co-Chair of the Cyber Center of Excellence at Marshall McLennan Agency. And today we have a true cyber celebrity with us, uh, Meredith Schnur. Meredith, thank you for joining. Well, thank you for having me, Mark. Absolutely. I'm really excited to have you on the show today. Um, you know, I, I personally uh, I've come to you several times in my career for, for just guidance and counsel. And I'm sure the listeners will appreciate some of the guidance that you will uh, uh, give on today's call. Um, appreciating the fact that, you know, we have very similar backgrounds, grew up in Long Island together. Uh, went to the same college, Oneonta, and now, I mean, uh, obviously our roles are very different, but when you were growing up, did you ever think that you would be the U.S. and Canadian cyber practice leader at the world's largest insurance broker? Well, definitely not, is the answer to that, um, let alone uh, never thought I'd actually say that I was going to end up in the insurance industry. So um, I was telling this story uh, a, a couple of years ago um, when I was in another forum, that you know, when we graduated college and we wanted to you know, kind of dive into the business world, what we did was we did not have the internet at that time, um, or it was the beginnings of the internet, so the functionality was not there. What we did was we sat at our kitchen tables with the New York Times, and for all of you who are listening that, that remember back in those days, the New York Times had a classified ad, and the classified ads were voluminous. Um, you can go pages and pages. Um, so all I did was look for, I knew I was in business, graduated with a business economics degree, and I wanted to be in either banking or another financial industry, financial services industry type job. And I was looking for an entry level or, you know, management trainee program. So you circle, you circle, you circle. And I circled this ad that said AIG. And um, I, I had no idea who AIG was. Um, I actually had to go to my local library. Yes, we, we still have libraries today. But to actually research a company, you actually had to go to a library. And I remember opening up the encyclopedia and reading about AIG. And it's saying... AIG is the largest insurance company in the world um, with 400 plus subsidiaries, blah, 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 right? And I said, hmm, insurance company. All right, I'll go check it out. And so that's how I landed up in the insurance world. I started as a, what we call a professional associate or trainee in, in the, what we call E&O area. Um, and back in the early 90s, it was professional liability um, and electronic data processing errors and emissions. So it wasn't called technology. It wasn't called cyber. Um, and so that's how I began my career. And then for for anybody that knows the evolution of cyber insurance, it wasn't named cyber until a couple of years ago. Um, the evolution of ENO insurance went right into what we call network risk. And from late 90s to mid 2000s, we called it network security and privacy uh, because that what, what it was, we were protecting the network. And then the overall adoption of this term cyber took hold and uh, we are where we are today. So no, that, that's how it took, that's the uh, path that it took me and, and expectations were, were Definitely not set. Well, you know, it, it, it's a fascinating story just to hear your background and then the, you know, the evolution of how the marketplace has really developed. I mean, I'm sure the changes that you're seeing now in the past year or so that we've been uh, working remotely have uh, probably been some of the greatest that uh, have ever happened to the cyber insurance marketplace. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's definitely changed the dynamic, especially with someone who has, you know, 25 plus years you know, we were used to, uh, you know, quite frankly, whether you're on an underwriter or on your brokerage side, you know, meeting in person and doing deals at the table. Um, and now we're, we're, doing, we're doing our underwriting and our brokering in a, in a very different manner than that we did it back then. Sure, sure. So, so I have to ask you, 
when you're negotiating policies for your clients, does bigger always mean better? Uh, being at the, you know, having more leverage with carriers, does that help you get better terms for your clients? Um, I, I, I'm going to say that there's obviously many benefits to being with and working for a brand like Marsh, right? So let's just leave it there. And, and that's, a, a, you know, when I joined Marsh a couple of years ago and I was making decisions on where I wanted to land after a very long career at Wells Fargo, another company that has a, an amazing brand, um, that was absolutely one of the reasons and what drew me to Marsh. So the brand, you, you can't discount the brand value that Marsh has, um, but what people don't know is, is what's behind the brand. Um, so the answer to that is absolutely yes, it does, it does matter to be bigger and to have that leverage and all of those factors play, in, play to, you know, take hold when you're playing and in, in placing a policy, but you can't have that without having the personal relationships that you build in the market. And, you, and the technical ability to truly understand and navigate that four corners of that contract. So you can have the name, but you might not be successful in actually brokering your policies if you can't truly understand the purpose of that policy, the intent of that policy, make sure we understand what the words say, really mean what they say, and then the ability to get that underwriting community to really jump on board on why to offer or write or do anything for that risk that would be different than they would do for someone else. So you need to have both. So is bigger better? Their brand certainly works to our benefit and we use it and we leverage it. We have lots of business here. Um, however, if you don't have the latter and that second part of being able to truly understand the art of, of relationship building, technical nature, and understanding how to actually work with all different shapes and sizes and each deal specifically, you, can, you can't have it. Sure. So, so Meredith, you know, I know that you're working with some of the largest companies in the world. What are what are some of the challenges that they're coming to you? Is it is it pricing? Is it capacity? Is it underwriting? What are the challenges folks are seeing in the marketplace now? All right. Well, there's so many, but I'm going to pick on one um, just because it's relevant to what's going on today. Um, so, I think the largest challenge that we're having um, with our even our the largest of the largest clients is the very sharp pivot in underwriting. Mm -hmm. It's not the strategies, it's not us, the ability to, for the underwriters to implement these strategies in so much that is going from, you know, just 12 months back to today, the amount of underwriting information and underwriting, you know, acumen that the underwriters have to go through to get approval to actually deploy their capital is completely, has done a, a 180. And the, the amount of information that our clients have to supply to the underwriting community is, is just a, a very big shift. Sure. Allocation of resources, getting the right people to the table, being able to truly um, answer those questions and the ability to truly understand the cyber risk profile of your organization and parlay that and communicate that to the underwriting community, that in itself is the largest challenge that, we, that our clients have today. Do, do you feel that's a sustainable trend that the marketplace could keep requiring additional information from these insurers? I, I think that we're not there. Um, and I don't foresee that in anywhere in the short term, we, this will change, but eventually this will calm down. Sure. This will level out and this will plateau. And we will have a better now, more you know, higher standard of underwriting in cyber that forms the baseline of future cyber underwriting, sure. as well as strategies from the underwriters where the way that you actually provide 
the coverage is going to be different than it was in the past. We're at, we're at that, that, that crossroads. It truly is a crossroad and it's going to go in several different directions, but it's gonna go one way or the other. And, and the way it's going to go is a different baseline and a new baseline for how to underwrite and a new baseline on how cyber coverage is offered. Sure. So, so knowing that there's been a lot of changes in the marketplace, what are some of the misconceptions that clients are having around cyber insurance just to, you know, overall? Um, so I think the misconceptions definitely still um, relate to the amount of underwriting and required information that is needed to get to where they need to get to. Um, we are definitely not at the phase yet where uh, our clients are ready for these rate increases. We've been talking about it. We, are, we message it very carefully, very professionally, and provide very good point and data points uh, for our clients. However, they're not there yet. So I can tell you that that's someplace where I think that they were just not there yet is in the pricing. Um, and, and there's going to need to be a lot more time to, for the clients to get to used to what kind of budgets they need to acquire and, and obtain this type of coverage in the future. Sure. Um, looking at, you know, obviously we don't have a crystal ball, but, you know, looking at the marketplace over the next five years, thinking about how much has changed over the past year, where do you see the market in five years from now? I mean, I hope, I hope we, I hope to see it healthy. Um, you know, back 10 years ago, I get the question of how do you price cyber? How do you think we answered that back then? I'd say, and you know what my answer was? I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know how you price cyber. This is what the policies are going for now. We can create a lot of competition. We have a lot of capital in the market. You know, it's profitable. This is how we price it. Now, fast forward 10 years, how do we price cyber? They're trying to figure that out. Sure. I, I, a sustainable, healthy market is what I foresee in five years time. The sharp pivot is, is needed and required in order to do that and a stabilization. So that's truly what I'm maybe a little hopeful, but I think what is going to happen um, so that we have we have a product that will stand the test of time and and be around for 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 as long as our clients need to transfer that risk. Sure. Appreciate that. Um, given that there's been so much change in the marketplace, you know, how do you and your team keep up with all these changes? Um, how do you advise a client on what's going on in the marketplace? Well, I have to say we have a lot of discipline in our in our in our process. Right, we have a lot of discipline. We have a lot of people working in the background. We have a lot of training. We have a lot of developing. You know, so for example, we hold office hours. Office hours are just for us. Everybody gets on the phone. Everybody shares stories. Everybody shares anecdotes. Everybody shares solutions. We have. We are in constant communication with each other. This team, whether you sit in California, you sit in Toronto, you sit in Florida, wherever you sit, everybody is constantly talking to each other. That is what has to be done during times like this. Um, so it is extremely challenging. We teach and train the, the brokers how to message to clients in the best manner they possibly can. There are things that we can't control right now, right? The underwriting of this product is changing. The rates are changing. But how you message is the key. How you find solutions and alternatives are the key. Helping our clients get through this so that they can have the product that they need in the fashion that works best for them and in line with their budgets. So the largest challenge we have is, is, is the brokerage you know, team just staying on top of what's happening every day. And the way to do that is 
you have to give them visibility and transparency into what's happening. Sure. The minute something happens in the market, we're on the we're on the, we're on the horn and we're discussing it and we're disseminating it and we're talking about it. And the brokerage team, at least at Marsh, they show up every single time. Everybody wants to learn. Everybody wants to share. They want to take everything they can, take it back and use it for their clients. If that worked with someone else, it's going to work for them. If it didn't work, why didn't it work? Tell the team why it didn't work. I found this solution and this alternative for this client because this was their hot button. Share that story. Share that success story. That is the only way to continually stay on top of it and to make sure that you're, in, you're either at the same point or actually ahead of it as opposed to behind it. Sure. So communication and collaboration are absolutely crucial. So uh, let's change gears a little bit. So we've been talking about the marketplace, but I know, you know, something very near and dear to your heart is, um, you know, training and coaching, you know, future rising stars. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what kind of next gen training does Marsh have to create future leaders in the insurance space? Yeah. So, um, so one of the things that we're so proud of, and we're in our second, we're in our second annual. So uh, I've been here for a little bit over two years and the second annual, we've implemented what we call a cyber mentorship program. I, I, it is completely underestimated how important having mentors in the business is. It is completely underestimated how to build a network and what building a network can do for your career and for your comfort level and actually teach you how to be comfortable in the uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. I think we, we, we want to remain in the comfort level because that's safe and that's secure, right? So we are provide, so the first thing that we've done is we've done and developed a cyber mentorship program. It is geared towards early career. Um, we have our track program, which is our truly right out of college, uh, very formalized, very disciplined um, uh, training program. That is, is the first thing that we have. And then the second would be this mentorship program for colleagues that have between two and, and 10 years experience in the market. And they really need to truly understand uh, to gain self-awareness and truly start to work on those softer skills. You can train, you can take classes from a security perspective, um, a technical perspective to get more up to speed with everything that's going on in the world around cyber um, or legal or privacy or whatever it is that might interest you. Um, creating and developing those soft skills are what we find in large organizations often go un, you know, just untouched and unnoticed. So we focus the cyber mentorship program on creating networking opportunities, creating self-awareness and how to get to the next level, introduction to senior level folks, both inside and outside Marsh that they wouldn't normally have access to and, um, and, and that. So we have that too. In addition to that, um, we have created a professional development program at all levels, whether you're an individual contributor, an individual contributor who has their eyes set on management whether you're an early, early manager from say between zero and three years, and, and then all the way into a senior level individual contributor or MD position, whether they manage or not, that wanna work on their professional development. So we have created all of that within Marsh Cyber, which is very different than some of the other business units within Marsh, because we feel like we need to be the leader and creative in order to retain talent. That is the most important. How do you retain talent? many factors, but one of them is show them that you're investing in them and then obviously attract talent. I, I can personally attest to, you know, how meaningful having a mentor is in the space. Obviously you and I have had many conversations and the guidance that you've given me over the careers. I truly think I wouldn't be at the place I am today if it wasn't for, you know, some of those coaching calls and just having somebody in your corner. So I think that's wonderful what you're doing with Marsh. 
Um, I, you know, I know that you're also part of several boards for some higher educations as well. When you think about college students, you know, that are just graduating, do you, or, or rather that are just about to go into college, do you suggest that they go into some type of computer science? With, is, is cyber a career that young folks should be looking to get into? Um, or is it saturated at this point? Oh, no. I don't think it's saturated. You could have said that about insurance, right? How many insurance people do you have? <laughs> Can you put in a room, right? You've seen it. Um, no, it's definitely not saturated. And the same goes for cyber that would go for anybody else. You're always going to have those folks that show up every day, but the ones that actually really take it and run and are those rock stars really are still TBD and still need to be found, right? It is such an immature industry. Sure. It is, it is in need and crying out. So there are many that are doing it. How many will actually succeed? survive, meaning stick to it, commit, you know, so you need to be in that pool. If you have any interest now, we didn't know, or I personally didn't know that this was going to be where I was going to be. 25 years ago, I would have never have been able to tell you that this is where I would land up. Okay. I wouldn't even have been able to tell you five years from where I was, where I was going to be able to land up. But just like any other um, career, um, whether it be accounting or finance or whatever, cybersecurity, if you're interested in that and you're interested in how the back end of technology and security and digital works, it is absolutely an amazing field to go into. And you can take it in so many different directions now. You don't have to work in-house and be you know, in, a, in, in an organization's IT department unless you want to be. Right? There's a whole unit, what we call our ecosystem of now cyber industry vendors, insurers, carriers, lawyers, you know, everybody that, that, that has to, in order for it to work and for it to be as successful as it is, are all together. So it is a fantastic career. And as you noted, we have, and, and I've worked on several boards where you have these certificate programs where you can dip your toes into it. You can find out all the aspects of cyber whether it be legal, tech, technical, insurance, governance. Um, and it gives you a taste and then you can decide, hey, like I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I wanna dig in more. We also par partner with ISACA and we've done some training with ISACA and they too will take deep dives into certain aspects of cyber risk and risk management. And some of our folks, and that's another thing that we provide to our folks, some of our folks love to do deeper dives into different areas. So fantastic way to go. Uh, graduating. I also highly recommend going, if you have that feeling that risk management is something that, that excites you. I did not have this. We did not have this at our college, Mark, and I didn't know it existed. Again, I'm just going back on finding those mentors and those coaches um, because I go back to Oneonta every year and I do backpacks for briefcases and I keep in touch with all these kids who hadn't, don't, don't even know what Marsh does and who Marsh is. Um, and what I will tell you is that, you know, a risk management program at some of these colleges and universities that have robust formalized programs is a really good way to go because we recruit from there. Great. So, so Meredith, I mean, we've spoken about the history uh, of cyber. We've spoken about the development um, of, of Marsh's cyber practice, the way that we've uh, kind of um, educated future leaders. My question to you, is there anything that we, we should have talked about before I let you go that we, we didn't get to touch upon? No, I just think that um, I, I think that an, an appreciation for the current landscape in cyber as it relates to insurance and how far we've come, you know, back even just five years ago, um, whether it be cyber or errors and emissions or media liability or IP, 
we'd always have a seat at the table because all of these exposures are just so prevalent and so significant, especially when you're talking to general counsels or um, folks like that in organizations and that at our clients. I just think that the appreciation has for the, for the insurance community has, got, has to be highlighted. We are giving back so much to the cyber community. We are involved in conversations pertaining to transparency and to how these events are occurring. How, how can we fight against these events and, and protect our country against nation state attacks? How can we aggregate this claims data to really truly help us price this risk and keep the sustainability of a market in which organizations need to transfer and pillow their balance sheets? I just think it, it would be remiss not to say that we've come such a long way. And, and the, I think this is one of the, definitely one of the lines of insurance where, and where we really do give back in many ways now. We're no longer just, I used to call us the stepchild, sure. sit at the table, but the DNO conversation or the property conversation would always trump the cyber or the ENO conversation. And that has significantly shifted in, in five years. And it's, you know, again, I don't, this is not a commercial for Marsh, but what I love about what we're doing is we're at the four corners of the contract is going to be the four corners of the contract. You're going to know what you're buying and we're going to negotiate the best four corners we can at the price, the price point that is absolutely the most competitive in the market for your risk and for your, for your risk maturity. What else can Marsh be doing outside of insurance to help our clients understand, measure, and manage their cyber risk? pre-incident, during the incident, post-incident, that is, a, we're spending a ton of time on that. And that is what is exciting to our future is that we now get to talk about risk management. We now get to talk about other things. What truly, you can, you say risk management insurance, but truly in cyber, we truly are. And I think that is a differentiator when you talk, when you compare cyber with other lines of coverage. Meredith, thank you for taking the time today and coming on the show and chatting cyber with us. Love doing it, appreciate it, and I uh, hope, uh, hope everybody has a fantastic rest of the day.